Lord, may the words of my mouth and meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Holy Spirit, come again through your word and speak that we might be pointed to and cling yet again by your power to Jesus and what he's done for us. In whose name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Elijah, one of the great prophets, and yet, as high as his highs were, the lows were pretty low. I love this story of Elijah because it's for many of us. I think this story is there for, for many of you, for many of us. If you've ever felt like you've just been at the end of your rope of life and you just can't do any more, can't take any more, I think this story's for you. Or you feel like you're at your breaking point and everything is just too much, I think this has something to say to you. Or if you are depressed or have been depressed or worse, even suicidal, or it's for you that Elijah has been there too. And if hard times, well, not if, when, hard times of life come for you, I think a story like this brings great comfort. Now, where we are now, I think it probably even uh, is a more important story than it was a few years ago to us. If you look at any, any study done, there are many, many out there, many being done, of the general overall wellness of Americans. Do you think it's generally good or generally not good? It depends, right? But if you look at any metric of uh, negative things, that would be... Um, Anxiety, depression, suicidal ideation, anything you might say is negative in the overall uh, mental, emotional health realm, all of those negatives uh, weren't good, and since COVID have gotten way worse. Talk to any mental health professional, they'll tell you, or just uh, look at your own life, maybe that's you, and God cares for you. And you'll see with Elijah, the way God cares for Elijah, God does a similar thing for you. In your darkest hour, your darkest moment, whatever that looks like, whatever that might look like, God does not abandon you. So I love, I love this story. You have to meet Elijah. You might know a few things of him. Maybe you know this story well or others. But Elijah lived about 850-ish, so 9th century B.C., in the, what's called the northern kingdom of God's people. They were split into two, Judah and then the northern kingdom, most of the tribes. And the king at the time was King Ahab, who married, his dad set up the marriage of Queen Jezebel, who was the princess of the time of Phoenicia, further north, foreign land. That's how you made peace with the neighbors around you, right? You had your children get married, except she brought in worshiping all these other Canaanite gods. God said on Mount Sinai, there's one rule, one rule. I'm the one who saved you. I'm the one that brought you out of Egypt. I am your God, no one else. And all the other, all, everything else comes from that. Over and over again, yet God's people, they broke it. So Elijah is this courageous leader, this powerful prophet that God gives great uh, works great miracles through him, feeds people who are desperately hungry, and raises people from the dead. And yet he's here called to confront a king, and especially a queen, who doesn't want to be. 
And you can see how Queen Jezebel is known just for being evil, that her name becomes a, almost a stand-in moniker for an evil person, right? So Elijah doesn't get to decide when he lives and how favorable the conditions are for telling people about God. That's one thing we can take from that, right? We don't get to decide when we live or where we live. You and I, were, we were born. In the zip code we were, at the hospital or home or place that we were, to, to the parents or people that, that raised us and, and cared for us, we didn't get to decide that. We don't get to decide how favorable the land and place we live in is towards hearing about Jesus. We don't get to decide that. There are many, many, many vibrant Christians in countries that are very hostile to the gospel. If we're in Christ, we're just called to be faithful to Jesus in word and in deed wherever God places us. And so Elijah did. And it was hard. So Queen Jezebel brought all these prophets to Baal and these other Canaanite gods, brought them all down and built temples to them and discouraged people from going to Jerusalem and built their own. And Elijah confronts them and has this this chapter before, if you had your pubiles open and scanned, the chapter before us says Elijah and the prophets of Baal. That's maybe one of the most well-known stories of Elijah. He's a really confrontational guy and he says, okay, we're doing this. We're having a showdown and you set up an altar to your gods and I'll set up one to mine, and we'll just pray and see who lights up the sacrifice, who burns the sacrifice first. And I don't know who has the guts to do that, because I don't. But Elijah does. And the, these hundreds of prophets of Baal pray all day, and, and Elijah mocks them. He, he literally says, maybe he's in the bathroom. He does. Read the story. <laughs> maybe he's in the bathroom. Maybe he's taking a nap. Maybe he's... All day. And then he says, okay, uh, are you guys done yet? Have you tried? I'm going to pray now. But before that, dump more water on the, on the altar. And then he prays, and God brings lightning from heaven and shows himself to be the true God. And then, yes, Elijah has those that have led God's people astray and brought evil upon evil into the country. He does have them executed. And then he thinks, okay, I've, I've finally done it. I've 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 shown that God is, is the true God, and we're going to worship the true God. And all of this other evil stuff that's coming, I've purified it. It's good. We finally did it. And then he gets the message from Jezebel. You will be like every single one of them by tomorrow. I'm coming for you. And Elijah breaks. Says, God, I've done, I've done everything. I thought we did. I thought we were finally going to do this. I, I thought finally we'd purify your land. And finally we would, we would worship you and follow you. And, and now uh, everyone else is gone. Jezebel's killed all the other prophets. Uh, I'm it. I, no one else is here. I, and he, he, he gets scared and runs. And he runs and then he says, God, I wish I were dead. I've done this too many times. I can't do it anymore. And he asks to die. You see, Elijah is a great servant of God. But he's also a human. And God is kind and gracious to him. So 1 Kings 19. I'm going to summarize some of it and walk a little quickly through some of it. He runs. If you had a map, though, you'd look at where did he run. He's way in the north. Mount Carmel's way in the north of Israel. 
And he runs, and it says he runs, in a verse, all the way to Beersheba. That is 100 miles south. Some jog he took. <laughs> runs 100 miles south to the very southern point of Judah. And then it says he, he leaves the servant, then goes a day into the desert and says, God, I, I'm done. Take me. And then what happens? I love this. He, goes, he sits under a, verse 4, he, he himself went a day's journey in the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. He asked that he might die, saying, it is enough, O Lord, take my life. I'm no better than my father's. Just like they tried, I tried, and, and I'm a failure, is what he's saying. And he lay down and slept under a broom tree. And behold, an angel touched him and said, arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was at his head Cake baked on hot stones. Sounds like pancakes. I'm in. And hot stones in a jar of water. And he ate and drank and lay down again. When you want to quit, take a cue from Elijah and just sit. <laughs> it's not so bad, right? When you want to quit, just sit. That's what he does, right? He lays down. He takes a nap. He uh, Actually, if you re read through, he takes two naps, right? He lays down, and he's depressed, saying, God, I, I can't do this. I, I've served you. I'm done. It's, it, he's broken. And what does he do? He takes a nap. Now, truthfully, that's some pretty solid advice. If you're in a really dark place and in a really dark moment, pra practically, taking a nap is actually, and eating something, that's pretty solid advice, isn't it? But what does God do? He lays down. God doesn't, God doesn't answer his prayer, yes. Another sermon for another day. God doesn't answer the prayer that he wants. God says no. But what does God do? He comes. He sends an angel. He tends to his physical, emotional, spiritual needs. He says, you're my servant. I care for you. I love you. He sends an angel who brings him uh, some sort of bread and, and water. feeds, And then what does he do? He he doesn't get up and go. What? He does it again. He takes another nap. Sometimes when you are at your absolute breaking point, basics like sleep and food go a long way in God's care and sustenance for you, don't they? And sometimes it looks like counselors and medical care that God has, is using other people through their vocations to serve you. God tends to the very real physical, emotional, spiritual needs of Elijah. When you want to quit, j just sit. It's okay. Okay, hold on to that. We'll come back to that. And then what does Elijah do? He gets up after he's strengthened, and then he keeps going. He goes to Mount Sinai. Why Sinai? Which, by the way, it's way further south. Keeps on going. 40 days, 40 nights to Sinai. Well, he's looking for God. God, I'm... I, you have sustained me. I was broken. I wanted to die. You came to me twice and cared for my needs. And, and now I'm trying to, God, where are you? I need you. I need to know you're real. You're there. So he goes to the place where God appeared in fire and smoke and gave his word to his people. That's Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. He goes there. God, I'm trying to get to you. And then what happens? He goes to a cave on Sinai. And then what does God ask him? He says, Elijah, what are you doing here? And it has this air of, I, 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 didn't, I didn't summon you here. What, what are you doing? 
And Elijah has, you might say, his prepared speech. He says, you know, I was jealous for the Lord. You know, everybody else fallen away. I've, I've tried to lead people and I've stood up for you and, and now I'm the only one left and they're trying to kill me. And, it, and he says, come on, come on out and I will appear to you. Come and stand before the mount of the Lord. And then it says, the Lord passed by. But a great strong wind tore the mountains and broke rocks into pieces, but God was not in the wind. And then it, an earthquake, Elijah's at the, you know, looking outside of the cave and looking, and then there's this great earthquake, and it says the Lord was not in the earthquake. And then there's this great fire, guess what? It's Mount Sinai, God's already appeared in, in fire and earthquake and all these things, and he's not in it. And then after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. It also could literally be translated the sound of the deafening silence. This is where God comes to Elijah. How often do you and I look for God in the grand, in the big, in the powerful, in the wind, in the earthquake, in the fire, and all the while God is there with us in a low whisper, in the deafening silence. There's God. Where we might so easily miss him. When I'm looking for the, the power of God in places, the whole time God has been offering his very presence that he gives to Elijah. See, life seems too much for Elijah, and yet God comes near to him and, and comes to him, not only deals with his very physical needs in, in his broken state, sending an angel and food and water and sleep. And then when he finally gets to Sinai, even though God basically says, I didn't, I didn't call you here, but he appears to him anyway. But not in all these giant, flashy, miraculous ways, which God has worked those already through Elijah. But he comes in the still, small voice, the low whisper, the deafening silence. He comes to Elijah, and then what does he say? He says again, Elijah, what are you doing here? And Elijah says again what he's rehearsed. I've been jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. Your people have forsaken your covenant. I'm the only one left. They seek my life. And the Lord said to him, verse 15, go, return. Return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. Go, return, go back. I still have more for you to do. Sorry I didn't answer your prayer uh, to die with a yes. I have more things for you to do, Elijah. I, I'm with you. I'm going with you. Go and return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive, you'll anoint these people in these places to these uh, kings and Elisha to be a prophet. And then 18, I didn't print this in the bulletin. I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed, to Baal. Elijah, you're not the only one, even though you think you are. You think you're the only one being faithful. I'm going to find 7,000 people that are faithful as well. You're not alone. How often do you think in your darkest moment, I'm the only one going through this. I'm the only one that feels this way. And at the end, God says, no, Elijah, you're not. And it's not two or three or five like you might think. It's 7,000 I'm going to find in Israel that trust and believe in me. You're not alone. So when you want to quit, sit. That's actually pretty good advice. Sit with God. And however long that takes. And if it takes 
like Elijah, an angel coming to you. Or uh, God's servants in the form of medical care and mental health care. Whatever God, in worship, in prayer, whatever sitting looks like, yeah, that's great. That's, that's Elijah. But then what happens? God says, go back. I have more for you to do. Get back into it. So uh, to put it all together, I would say, when you want to quit, sit. And then get back into it. When you want to quit, sit with God. Yes, stop and hear the gentle whisper of your God and trust in Jesus and what he's done for you. Sit, but then get back into it. You know that your God promises to be with you wherever you go. You don't have to go like Elijah to Mount Sinai or to that place where you had a powerful experience with God. God might be there. You know, God promises to be in syllables and words when you're at home by yourself. When you're alone somewhere else, you're actually never alone. Do you know that God promises to come in as simple things as water? To wash, forgive, renew your soul. And bread and wine, simple things that that seem so uh, like a low, small whisper that you might miss. God is here. When you want to quit, sit with God and let him restore you. Then he restores you, you you get back into it. He says, return, go on your way. I I do have more things for you. If you're at your your break point, I I don't want your life to end now. I want to restore you and minister to you so that you can restore and minister to others. You see, Elijah isn't just about Elijah. His story is pointing to the greater one, Jesus. You see, Jesus had a, a break point too, you might say. When he was in the garden before he's crucified, he's praying, and Luke says he's sweating blood and saying, is, is there any other way, Father? Is, can you take this from me? Is this, do we have to do this? Is there any other way? And what is the answer? It was, this is how it will show my greatest Love to my children who are wandering far from me and I want back. And at that point, Jesus eventually was the only one. He was the only one who was faithful. There's not, you know, Elijah plus 7,000 other gods going to find. It was Jesus. All of Israel that was unfaithful, all of God's people reduced to one faithful person. Jesus, God himself in our place. And Jesus says, okay, not my will but yours be done. When you want to quit, Jesus didn't sit. He actually submitted to the Father's will, and he got up and got back into it and got on the cross. You see, your free forgiveness and your eternal life is because Jesus didn't escape his darkest hour. He went through it, and he trusted when you and I don't. And he was faithful when you and I are faithless. And Jesus didn't uh, try to take the easy way out, out of life No, he went deeper into it all the way to the cross for you and for me. And even on the cross cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And that Jesus, when he leaves his disciples, says, I will always be with you no matter what till the end of time. Even when you don't understand your life or even when you're at a break point and you want to quit, Jesus says, I will be with you. So when you want to quit, sit. And then get back into it. 
because your Savior has promised to be with you and you have been washed by him in his blood in the waters of baptism and the Spirit lives in you and Jesus goes with you and he has things for you to do to to show other people what he's done for you. And if you've found hope and healing in Jesus, well, he, he wants you to show that to other people too. So to those of you today who feel like life just seems too much, hear that Jesus is with you. He sits with you as he died for you and rose for you, and he goes with you as he feeds you with his word and here at his table. He goes with you deeper into your life. And whether that looks like uh, for you severe hardship or depression or wondering the fate of your marriage or wondering about your children and uh, them wandering from the faith or wandering in life, whatever is, is burdening your heart today, you have a Jesus who goes with you deeper into your life. And maybe it's not you. Maybe this story you say, wow, I've been there and I'm not there. Uh, Elijah, that's great. God, that's great. That, that's not me right now. Well, remember it because one day it might be you. And if it's not you... Look around in the people in your life. Maybe Jesus needs you to walk along someone else who is truly suffering and be the body of Christ to them. When you want to quit, sit with Jesus and get back into it because Jesus goes with you.